everyone, and welcome to Deck Jokes, the world's only tarot comedy podcast. My guest today is Ange Buxton, comedian. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing, Ange? I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I uh, Deck Jokes. I like that. That's Thank you. Did, wait, did I not tell you the name of the podcast before? No, and that's hilarious. You know, I have a, I have a, a playing card collection. So oh, you I do? have a playing card Instagram that's deck me in the face. Oh my God, I love and that. Somewhere wait. in my computer is just a, a, a spreadsheet of deck puns. And so I really approve. Wait, hang on a second. I need to, I did not know this about you and I need to know everything about it. About playing cards? <laughs> About, well, I mean, I also collect playing cards, sort of, nice. um, because they are easier souvenirs to acquire than, like, sweatshirts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I need to know about the spreadsheet of deck puns. Oh, yeah. We had uh, uh, Decking Around, which was actually taken. It's a pretty cool podcast about playing cards. Nice. And uh, yeah, I, w I settled with Deck Me in the Face because my whole brand with playing cards is like any other brand of mine where it's just, I, I really, I'm very passionate and also annoying. And so <laughs> that's. That is, um, that also describes me to a T. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> passionate and annoying. I love it. Um, I'm definitely going to follow that account after um, after we finish recording. I I collect playing cards, and my family loves playing card games, and they never want to play with my cards because I like the playing cards that are harder to read because they are full of art. Mm. Bars. So I'm not I'm not allowed to grab cards when we all play. <laughs> yeah, I have a. Uh... <laughs> quite the quite the collection going now i think i've got last i counted i had about 150 something decks and oh damn i get more all the time it's my little thing that i do you know i don't i've never had any excuse to talk to any other person let alone comedian about <laughs> it really you know so now there I, i've been outed i'm a giant nerd now everybody knows it and uh you know just don't uh, I will say this. If you see me in public and you say, hey, your card account, I'm going to be like, I don't know what the beep you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that it only goes out to the people who listen to this podcast. Lit, lit, yeah. You guys, <laughs> you will appreciate deck jokes. That's why you're here. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, I also forgot to mention this before I started recording, so I'm going to take this out in post. I, I do prefer if we keep swearing to a minimum just oh, because it. my bad no it's fine it's just i think if yeah. you're putting podcasts on apple podcast dealing with the explicit tag is annoying and i don't know if that's an actual fact but i'd rather not have to find out so got you i will do my best i was doing you know my language was superb uh, in my previous line of work with students, you know, you can't. Yeah. You, when you stub your toe, you're like, ah, rats. <laughs> you're like, ah, dag nabbit, you know. <laughs> Fiddlesticks. <And>, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Polly want a cracker. And now <laughs> it's, I work from home 24-7 and, and my wife swears like a sailor, so. Ah, yes. Um, 
Yeah. And you know, it, it's it's so like easy to if you're around it, you it's why I say lit and I have like all these little phrases from my family that I take with me into the workplace and they're like, "What does odit mean?" And I'm like, "What? What do you mean what does odit mean? Like I don't even know that I can explain that." <laughs> You don't know? <laughs> yeah, but I got you. I'll uh, I'll do my absolute very best. Also, the other thing is, like, I'm still not good at editing sound. So I don't know. Like, do I got to get in there with, like, a beep? How am I going to? Oh, I got you. Here, I'll give you a beep right here. And then you can um copy and paste it and throw it in that little slot. Ready? Oh, word. Okay. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> that was adorable. The best part is if you put it in over what I said, then somebody got to wait, like, two minutes to find out where that beep came from. <laughs> Or I could take this entire section out and it'll just be, and it'll just be no context. Yeah, which... then they won't get you saying fiddlesticks, which I'd pay good money to hear you say again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, I mean, like, I am very white, so fiddlesticks is my heritage. <laughs> fiddlesticks is my heritage, bro. <laughs> Oh, man. oh, I might, I might leave this conversation in just for like the last twenty seconds. <laughs> man, listen, if you're listening to this, fiddlesticks is my heritage. Is uh, that's a t-shirt. I, I would definitely, I wouldn't buy it, but I would look at it from afar. <laughs> okay, so shifting into the interview part of the podcast. Um, so Ange, I met you doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. How did you get into stand-up comedy? Uh, I just needed a really good excuse to uh, be able to talk at people while I was drunk and make them listen to me. <laughs> okay. And, so, <laughs> and okay. I, I'm, I'm clean and sober now, but at the time... Congratulations. Was, thank you very much, and I'm very, I'm very happy to be... Um, but it was like really a thing where uh, I loved being on stage in college. I did all sorts of stuff on stage, you know, from, you know, we've talked about it, but like musicals and I was an acapella group and I did all sorts, all sorts of stuff, rapping, everything. And then, but I love to write. And so I was in my like early to mid twenties, like music wasn't really working out the way I wanted it to. And I guess I was like, maybe I'm funny. Let's find out. <laughs> and it stuck. And it stuck. I mean, like, I, I do think you're very funny. So you have Appreciate it. that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fiddlesticks. You shouldn't have. <laughs> um, one of the things I've noticed about doing this podcast is that I laugh a lot. And then I have to go into like edit and I realize how much I laugh and I'm just very self-conscious about it now. Oh, come on. As a comedian, like I would really appreciate you not editing out your laughs because then you're just going to hear my little (laughs) chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, damn, this bitch chuckles a lot. Oh, man, I just cussed. (laughs) All right, got to try. Beep. There it goes. All right. Oh my god. Um No, it's it's more just like it's more just like I I laugh kind of as an automatic response to stuff that doesn't necessarily need a laugh. So I see. Okay. It's it's more like the laughing at things that aren't necessarily jokes. So got um, you. I don't know. There's no laughing police though, you know, like I don't know if anybody really 
has like a good grasp on what needs a laugh and what qualifies for a thing to be laughed at you know i mean that's I think true sometimes it's just like i'm laughing because what you said is somewhat relatable and we're in this zencaster together <laughs> we are here together in the zencaster um how long have you been doing comedy um the first time i did it was like a one-off in oh man i think it was 2012 oh um, damn they were like we need somebody to host it was i was in college they were like we need somebody to host this um this thing and you know a lot of people so people will come if you if you host and i was like what is it and they're like it's comedy and i was like i don't i have no jokes like what are you talking about <laughs> and so i just kind of went up and like it was the worst hosting job in the world you go i just went up and like responded to other people it's kind of the best hosting job in the world actually because it's basically what hosts do i went up and i just like responded to other people's jokes and like riffed off of their shit and then it didn't get more serious for me until 20 i think my first paid gig well my first time really let's put it like this i really got serious about it in 2018 so it's only really been two years oh that's when i really started going open mics like and and thinking maybe i'll i'll give this a real shot and then in in like a month or two i had my first paid paid thing oh wow I, I guess i'm a comedian or whatever well that's what it that's what they call me yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i started in 2018 too so i don't have um i don't have like a ton of lived experience because the last year almost didn't count right it feels like that kind of yeah i'm i kind of I feel like on the one hand, the last year almost doesn't count because I didn't do anything. And on the other hand, if I don't count the last year, I only have one year of comedic experience and I don't like the sound of that. (laughs) Yeah, but I, yeah, I guess that might be better. I mean, because it's true to form, you know, the actual stage time, a year of experience in actual crappy bars where... You know, like half the people aren't even listening and you're you're just bombing like and pretending you're not, you know, that that you know what I mean? Yeah. Another year of that can make a huge difference. So maybe saying you only have a year. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just I think I guess there's like it's different because your comedic experience in this past year has been what like mostly writing and we, you got TikToks and. I, I, um, I do have the TikToks. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram. I see you on Twitter being funny. Instagram. Okay. The uh, the likes and retweets don't reflect that, but I appreciate your thoughts. Oh, it's like that for everybody. I have like I have like a thousand followers and I'd be getting like two likes. Like <laughs> Dude, Twitter is so Twitter is so hard. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Twitter is like so hard because I feel I don't know if this is Obviously, it's not true across the board because I don't follow everyone on Twitter. But I feel like the stuff I see on Twitter that gets really popular, you have to allow yourself to be horny on main. Interesting. And I don't want to do that on Twitter for some reason. No, no, I don't. I mean, I have I have a porn Twitter for that. <laughs> We're not doing it on main. That's not what this is about. Well, I, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Twitter is just very hard for me, and I don't. I don't know why. 
I don't know why. I think it's because um, I think it's because the stuff I see that I will like and retweet that I think are funny. I'm not willing to admit that those are the things I have originally thought. Interesting. You mean like you'll see something and on the low you're like, you know, this is like half half developed in a notebook somewhere and this person sat there and, and really nailed it and uh, and no, so it's, retweet, it's, retweeting out of resentment. Is it like that? No, it's more like it's more like someone will tweet something and I will I will like either have thought it already or I will agree with it and I'll like it or I'll retweet it. But I do not want to admit that I had that thought before before someone else did. Because again, horny on Maine. So okay. I don't I know. I don't it's... know who you're following, but <laughs> maybe you gotta mess with your algorithm a little. No, <laughs> they're just they're just like stupid sex jokes, you know? It's it's like that kind okay. of stuff. It's that kind I'm not no, I, I block every single porn bot that attempts to interact with my account. No, I mean, even uh, comedians I follow, I guess they do, I do have a couple comedians I follow from New York and I think some from Philly that do a lot of very scantily clad photos. And uh, I'm like, are, is this is this how you are succeeding in comedy? Like, do I need to, like, do I need to get some sepia tone photos of, you know? I don't know. Maybe it's like, yeah, it must be like a brand strategy that, or everybody's just like half in the can and they wake up the next day and they're like, ah, I did it again. Oh, it already has 11.5K likes. I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> Only a coward would take this down. <laughs> exactly. The people have spoken. <laughs> the Electoral College has finally posted results. Um... Oh, Electoral College. <laughs> So like it I'm not going to say it sounds like you got into comedy by accident. Um like I don't think that's accurate, but it does sound more kind of like you like you only recently started to pursue it seriously. Yeah, people were like you're funny and I was like, "All right, I guess." And then it, it I'm not even kidding, like I needed someone I think confidence is a thing I've struggled with for a long time. Word. And I needed someone to be like you're fun you know because with anything else you audition you try out you know with sports you know if you're good because you start you know with with acapella and, and musicals and stuff you know if you're good because you get the part or you get into the group you know with comedy it's like how the heck are you supposed to know that you're good unless somebody is like hey you're pretty good you know and that's kind of once once i started getting a lot of that and a, like consistently i think laura fataruso was the first person she would host the Sunday bishops and it would be packed. And I would only go on Wednesdays because I was still, I felt so shy about my stuff and I started going on Sundays and, and going up. And that, I can't, I remember the first time I felt like I really killed him. And Laura Fadaruso, who I looked up to a lot, came up to me and was like, yo, that was really good. And I was like, oh, maybe there's something here. You know? <laughs> like maybe I shouldn't give up. And of course, then there was like three months in between the next time I went just because. I was scared of success, but you know, you, you know how one does. No, I, I, I get that. I get that. I think the other thing about, the other thing about comedy is that it, I think half the battle is just actually getting yourself up on stage Yeah. because 
it is, it's just, you feel so vulnerable when you're up there. And it's like, it's just the mic stand in between me and the crowd. Yeah. And it's, um, and I, I think that once you get over that terror, the actual jokes come easier. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I was writing for a different medium when I started. I was writing for maybe more like a, a Chuck Klosterman novel. Um, like okay. I was writing kind of like a David Sedaris, you know? Okay. I was writing and I would get on stage and be like, I need, this is too slow. Like, or I just, I didn't understand components of delivery and, and set up. And then I was like, just, I think the switch happened when I started really studying jokes structurally and studying them the way I would study, you know, in in college doing like literary critiques and stuff. Oh, the English major is coming out now. Oh, you know it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. I like started really thinking about a joke from like a, like addiction and rhythm and just pacing, everything. Yeah. So who different ways to use dialogue and it just that's when it really started kicking off. So who whose jokes were you studying then? Like who who were you looking to as kind of a a template for writing jokes? That's a great question. I love this question. Um, I used a lo- at first it was just John Mulaney through and through. Yo! Um, <laughs> I just oh man, this is this is a John Mulaney. This is a John Mulaney Stan account. Great. <laughs> yeah. All my deck jokes are for John Mulaney. I have um, a tarot deck based off John Mulaney's stand up. Wait for real. Yeah. Get the heck out of here. Oh, fiddlesticks. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I thought it would be hilarious to make that, uh, to make that deck. And I did. And now I own it. Get out of town. Okay. I would love to see pictures of those if you ever want to throw them up somewhere. Did you, um, do you remember a couple of years ago when John Mulaney interviewed Bill Hader at the 92nd street Y? That is so specific. Was it four oh two p.m.? No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 no, I don't. I don't recall. No. So they. It was um to promote Barry, Bill Hader's show on HBO, and okay. they were there. And I went to go see it with my dad, and I gave the tarot deck to John Mulaney during the Q and A. Get out. Yeah, it was pretty cool. What did he say? Um, he thought it was very sweet. He laughed at one of the cards. I forget which one was on top. And um, they both made fun of me, but they were also very nice about it. <laughs> that is amazing. So you you basically, did you get to hand it like right to him? Right to the man himself. Get the heck out of here. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Gosh darn it. This it was... is really hard not to swear. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that I'm mad. I was mean, really cool. Honestly, I'm probably going to cut this part in post because I don't want that story to like, I, I don't want that story to like define my podcast. So I'm. What? That's a great story. Yeah, but like. Don't keep it to yourself. No, I, I don't. I don't keep it to myself. I just I don't want it to define the podcast necessarily because um, I would like it to be known for more than just like, oh, the podcast that that tarot card reader who's obsessed with John Mulaney has. You know what I mean? Interesting. Okay. 
I mean, mean, I think we've all done cool things, you know, like that. I don't know. We've we've all all simped for a celebrity before. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I proposed to my wife on my favorite murder. That's like the simpiest sim you can (laughs) sim. All right, we have to get back on the on the podcast interview train. So, yeah. um, so John Mulaney is where you started kind of studying jokes. Anyone else? How else did that go? Oh yeah, there's. I mean, there's tons. So I, I'm trying to think of the the real big ones that I would watch over and over. And you know, there's this one set by Marina Franklin. It was, it's it, she was the opener for the woman who kill show that amy schumer did okay and just marina franklin in general but the way uh, i just i can recite her stuff word for word and i would i studied a lot of her um who else i mean the tough thing is like there's just not like a lot of like other queer comedians i don't Mm -hmm. really vibe with their stuff like that like i like some of Rhea butcher's stuff um but I don't know any other. Oh, Jabuki's really good too. Oh yeah, really Jabuki's good. great. Yeah, or them. I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would just like try Sam Morrow, like anybody that kind of was growing a following. I would try and see what they were doing that was making them stand out. Mm-hmm. And it did help me build my confidence around my own voice. You know, like it's all right. It's all right to talk about the things that. Like, I was shy about talking about what made me me. But that's kind of what people show up for. Yeah. They want to hear you talk about that stuff, you know? Yeah. I think um, we had also discussed this when I did your podcast, Sober During Crisis, which is a fantastic podcast. Um, we, we discussed this a little bit when I did um, when I did your podcast, but kind of like setting yourself apart and like building your brand as a comedian, like what makes you not only just like what makes you funny, but also what makes you uh, the kind of person people want to show up for. Right. Yeah. Um, um, that. Yeah. I don't know if there was a question that I was supposed to answer, but yes, no, just that no, it's just thing that was about. that was just like piggybacking off of your um, your comment about like the the confidence like being shy about who you were and eventually yeah. growing out of that yeah which is like oh my god i i really honestly thought i had gotten to a point where i was comfortable being on stage and then the last year happened so now i'm like i haven't been on stage at all i'm yeah. going to get up there and i'm not going to know what to do with my hands all over again <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm a nervous yeah. fidgeter so it's the uh it's the hands for me. <laughs> I I had the experience of I went and did one of the like outdoor ones. We were standing on a hay wagon in a field and it was paid, which was great. It was like a drive in. People were in their cars. Instead of laughing, you honked. It was like the, <laughs> like the COVID work. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just so precious. Oh, isn't it? You getting you're getting heckled by a Tesla like the whole <laughs> nine yards. I'm just I'm imagining a very angry Prius driver using their weenie horn to tell you yeah. that they disapprove. 
a 100% every time. So the the first I headlined the first time and then they asked me if I wanted to host the next couple weeks and I was like and the thing is I felt like I ate it after I I headlined. I was like I am terrible at comedy and the biggest thing was I felt like I'd changed so much since the last time I'd been on stage and my jokes hadn't had the breathing room to change with me because I hadn't had open mics to try new things out. So Yeah. Any covid jokes were, you know, uh, I don't want to say white knuckling it. The other expression I'm thinking of is not school appropriate, but you know, I was up there winging it. Let's put it like that. <laughs> and, and they went okay. But the next week, luckily I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm done with comedy forever, which is how I felt. Mm-hmm. I still showed up the next week and it went amazing. Like it was, I was like, okay, I can, it only took one time of doing terribly uh, and I was able to adjust my material too, you know, I was able to get a read of, I can't, you can't even say read the room. I was, I was able to read the field and yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done any, I think the last time I was on stage was in like March, like okay, beginning yeah. of March. It was just, I mean, I would say if next time you go, are on stage just you're gonna eat it just oh i'm don't even worry about it (laughs) it's gonna happen (laughs) well no here's this is my theory about when you start comedy this is my theory is that unless you are horrifically like uh bigoted you know and you're just spewing like just utter trash and you're being nasty and everything i think the first time you do comedy you're always going to do pretty good because people are people will say like oh it's my first time doing comedy and that kind of lightens the room in general I think that kind of lightens the room so um people will be more supportive of you and even if you're not like super funny you get like the laughs or um the applause that um so I think the first time you do comedy you're always going to do pretty good it's the second time you do comedy (laughs) it's the second time you do comedy that you're gonna like eat it because you come in off the high of like, oh, I did so good my last time. And like, people thought I was funny. And I like, I really enjoyed being up there because people thought I was funny. And you go in the second time and either you're doing the same jokes that people have heard and they like politely laughed um, or you're doing new material and you still have no idea what's going on. And it just, it doesn't have the same effect because it's not the first time you did comedy. So the second time I think is the worst. Yeah, and, and I don't know I don't know about you, but I would always forget to record. Like anytime I would do a joke for the first time, I like forget to record and then you do it the second time and you're like, What did I do differently that, <laughs> that didn't work this time that was so successful? Yeah, I, I didn't realize the other comedian sorry, it, it's gonna bug me. The other comedian, my number one is Mitch Hedberg. And oh, I can't believe I didn't even You're like the so. third person I've interviewed who's said like Mitch Hedberg. I mean it's my safe word. <laughs> no, it just, um, I, I guess I'm, I don't know why I'm surprised because he is like kind of one of the greats. It's, I guess, I guess it's that you're the third person in a row I've interviewed who said Mitch Hedberg. So yeah, I, th- I do think it the that way you it, will. It came to me is I remember the worst joke. Like I remember a set so bad and it was one of those, you know, not my first time, not my second time, but maybe like my fourth or fifth time. And I was trying all new stuff, and there was all these, like, weird, like, absurdist one-liners. 
And as you know, like, that's not really the kind of stuff I do now. Yeah. Like, I, I might have a couple throughout, but it's not going to be, like, a whole five minutes of that. And I, I think about two minutes in, I just was like, all right, that's it. Like, I, I couldn't <laughs> take it. It was so bad. And I was like, I'm just torturing you, and I'm torturing me. And, like, I'll go home and try again. I, I did that once. I started a joke, and I was, um, like, I was really trying but it, it was like I was very early in doing comedy. So, yeah. you know, you so it was a combination of like, I wasn't really sure what was going on and I was nervous. So I was talking really fast. And also, I probably hadn't prepared as much material as I could have. And I finished my I finished like however long I was up there. And the host hadn't gotten back from getting a drink. So I got off stage oh and nothing happened. That is terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. I it was that for you. <laughs> it was so, it was like, I had been doing comedy for maybe like less than two months at that point. It was, wow. it was horrifying. I think I left. I think I left yeah, I immediately after that happened. Yeah, I probably never would have gone back to, to wherever that was ever again. I mean, like, the sad thing is, is that I'm in Connecticut and there's there's only, like, a few places in Connecticut. Um, yeah. So you kind of have to go back. You kind of have to go back. Although well, that's I, how you gain the respect of other comedians, too, is, like, you just don't quit. You know, a lot of the dudes that I see around the scene, they're – they can be real trash sometimes like yeah. where you're like wow you're like negative funny tonight but they never give up and they always come back and and give it another shot and yeah I mean like I actually kind of um I kind of gave up on doing comedy in Connecticut around the beginning of the year because I was like this is such this environment this is rough so yeah. actually that's why I, never, I started I never going out there Hmm? Sorry, my bad. Um, I was gonna say I never, I never made it out there. I always wanted to, and I, I think I did a, I did a couple like sports bars in Connecticut, and but I, I didn't ever make it to an open mic out there. Hmm. I mean, would not recommend. <laughs> yeah. Um, everybody pay me. I was like, it's gonna cost you five bucks at least. <laughs> like, yeah. Because like, um, I was like three months in, so it was like. That's what I thought was a lot of money. It was like you got to pay me like at least ten bucks. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> the first time, the first time I got paid for doing comedy, I got paid twelve dollars. Nice. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, I got paid twelve dollars. It was a Halloween show, and I was dressed as Louise Belcher. <laughs> it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. All right. So, are you ready to move into the card reading portion yeah, of the podcast? Let's do it. So the way this is going to work is we have three cards. One card represents your past, one card represents your present, and one card represents your future. And if there's anything you notice about numerology or imagery, colors, um, the figures in the cards, anything like that, feel free to explore. And um, I think we're going to start with your past okay. because that's a good place to start. This is cool. I've never... I've never uh had a tarot reading so th i'm excited i'm i'm gonna learn some new stuff all today. right all right so um 
the card for your past, would you care to describe what it looks like? It's got about six what look like closed-lipped Venus fly traps on it. Sorry, it's nine. Nine Venus fly traps or trophies. Golden Globes? <laughs> are they cups? They are cups. Oh, look at that. Uh, it's nine of them, and there's tentacles of some sort. I'm guessing they're leaves. And they're supposed to be kind of like flowery vines, but I think tentacles is cooler. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, this is just nine Demogorgon. <laughs> and it is, I believe, upside down. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yes. So nine, is it nine of cups? It is the nine of cups. Let's go. Okay. okay. What, is the, what is that? So an inverted nine of cups is symbolic of a confusing social situation, difficulty in finding one's place, um, or difficulty in finding one's place in a complex environment. So how would you say that is, would you say that's emblematic of your past as a comedian? Like, how does that relate? Oh, 100%. This is... Yeah, I think what I'm doing, I'm literally going through a transformation right now um, where I started taking tea nice. uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, thank you. And I think I'm looking at all my old material and it's just me trying to like navigate the waters of gender within with comedy and finding it really hard to fit in anywhere, I guess. Um, and I find gender to be a very complex environment, so I think it applies. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm cisgender and I also think that it is confusing sometimes. So, I 100% see how that might be. I I can see how comedy would be an interesting avenue to explore it. Like does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Does that I make think... sense without me sounding like rude or bigoted? <laughs> I don't Yeah, I don't know how it, that's that sounds Right to me, yeah. I think I was gonna say I don't know how it would be bigoted, but I'm sure there's someone somewhere that could find a way. I it's not necessarily that I think it might actively sound bigoted. It's more just like, am I saying something that I might accidentally not mean to say? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, probably always. Yeah, that's true. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think for a lot of people starting out in comedy too, like you really do have to navigate and be confused for a while about how comedy works mm. because there's so many moving parts to it it's not just let me find a place that has a stage it's like okay I found this place these are the people that go there do I want to hang out with these people do I think they're funny do they think I'm funny do they want to hang out with me and take this with a grain of salt i've only been doing comedy for two years i the industry is just like so clicky mm. you know so trying to fit into it if you're new it's really hard yeah totally and i actually just realized too another thing this could be uh related to 100 percent is that i got into some stuff when i started really taking off where there and it always happened to be cis men too. Uh, actually, one of them was not a cis man. It was 
they were all born male let's put it like that where they would put me on things and kind of like I don't know I guess like expect free labor or kind of like expect that I would just be grateful for the opportunity and you know want me to do like want me to go above and beyond to plan and organize events and and hype and sell tickets and be part and just be a part of promotion in a way that was outside of the scope of what I think being booked to a show is. And, um, I was like, no. And then the response would always be like, well, aren't you, you know, like, like, like basically that I should be grateful for the opportunity. Ugh. And it's like, bro, I'm already funnier than you. Like, I don't <laughs> actually, like, like, I don't know if you've seen me do stand up, but I don't really need like I'm getting booked left and right, you know. So for somebody to act like they're doing me a favor by putting me on their show, it's like I'm actually, you know, and it, I don't care if it sounds cocky because like I, I'm at a point now where I know I'm good. Like, I know I'm going to make a room laugh for 100 percent guarantee it will happen. So it felt like a, I think a lot of these dudes that have been around for a while just thought, oh, you must be new. And you know or they or i also got a lot of like you won't people in, in connecticut aren't gonna think you think you're as funny as in northampton or like this idea that i'll only be funny in northampton like bro no like you know what i mean so yeah. i think there was a lot of that too like i can say like, i definitely think it's confusing and it, it infuriated me like i don't owe you anything you're not really doing me a favor like i'm put i'm i'm putting in the work and and the time and everything so yeah i also for me, at least, this is like I'm speaking strictly to my own experience. I feel like there's a lot of pressure to just play nice with people because I still am, you know, relatively new. And also I'm just nervous all the time. And I I talk a big game, but I'm like, I, I don't like starting anything. Like, I will cry if you look at me too much. So that adds to my own difficulty navigating the social aspect of doing comedy. Yeah. I think especially like, yes, 100% that would make it like there's times when in my first couple of times, like getting asked to do shows, it was just like, yes, just tell me when and where and I'll be there 100%. Oh, you need me to do this, this, and this, like no doubt, no problem. And I think, once I started to pull back a little and see like there were a lot of opportunities and some of them were paid. And then it was like, okay, how do I keep getting these? Well, it was just a matter of like that. Just say that I'm only taking those, you know, I, like basically I'm no longer doing free stuff because I don't have to anymore, you know, but I think at first it was definitely necessary. Like no doubt I had to prove myself. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it's just, it's a weird environment just existing in comedy. And I don't know how much of that is because it's actually just a weird environment and how much of it is just the area where I am, you know, because like being in Connecticut, I, I mean, I'm in Connecticut, which has a fairly like vibrant comedy scene, but it's not the place people go to like make it big, mm. you know? So it's just, um, it's just weird. And honestly, I should probably stop talking trash about Connecticut because most of the people listening are going to be from Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Connecticut. I love it. It's amazing. I'm guessing the people listening to this also think most the of the comedy in Connecticut is trash. Yeah, I, I don't. 
it's also just like doubly hard because you can't go out and do comedy right now. I mean, you can, but it's irresponsible. So like, don't, don't. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am incredibly ill, so I'm just not going out at all. Not like with COVID. I'm just a chronically ill person. All right. Do you want to move on to talking about your present? Sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, would you please describe the card for the listeners? All right. We got uh, the sa- same shape. They're also Venus, Venus flytrap trophies. Uh, so it's the cups. So it's one, two, four, five, six. So we have seven and seven of cups. Um, mm-hmm. There are less tentacles, but they are still present. I think two main ones. And it looks like it's uh up upward or for what, what upright for, yeah upright okay <laughs> it's forward like what preposition goes here <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's upon <laughs> it is definitely throughout um <laughs> yeah um so this is the seven of cups upright which is a card symbolizing individuality a single person finding their place in a group contact with people in high positions and exceptional qualities are appreciated wow yeah so how do you think this vibes with your present as a comedian i I mean the well the individuality appears true you know it's been like we were talking about once i was comfortable actually being myself that's right when things started picking up because it was like, right. Okay. Like you're not shy about who you are. So yeah. Now you have a unique flavor to offer the comedy scene. Right. Yeah. I think it just takes a while to get your jokes to like reflect like your own personal perspective. But once they do, Oh boy. Um, Chef's kiss. (laughs) A single person finding their place in a group. Well, it was just starting to pull together. Like I definitely, buddy buddy with like just about everybody I see out at Mike's mm-hmm. um, but I don't know you know for me I think the concept of friendship is very interesting there's very few people that are I would consider like in my inner inner circle right but I think it's just a matter of which relationships that you nurture so you know I just I I, I'm like a family oriented person like you're you know you're like me because you have sisters so like my sisters are are my best friends and that's really it. So <laughs> finding my place in the group, I guess, is true because, like, I've realized my place is, you know, be chill with everybody and, like, say what's up and uh, <laughs> my fucking, excuse me, mind my business, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, dear. Not getting put into any drama. Like, okay, I see you, you see me. Let's keep going about our day. Yeah. Have you, like, have you been, I know you said you were doing, like, some outdoor shows over like the summer and everything and getting honked at um (laughs) does um like does does this card say anything about like what you're doing with comedy right now in the present like are you have you been doing like online shows too or or nah um I you know it's so funny I keep getting asked to do this one show it's for kids Oh dear! And I just don't. I don't think I can do it. It pays so well, and like, I just don't think I can do it. Uh, I'm like, what do you even write for that? I don't know. 
um, contact with people in high positions. I wish, you know, so I guess, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think it's, it's better. Like I, I know, and I'm on good terms with a lot of who I would consider to be the big names in the pioneer Valley, you know, and if they're, if they do have shows, they usually hit me up and see if I want to be on it, which is really nice to be thought of like that. Um, Cause you know, that, I guess that means they have like respect. I have people's respect right now, which I yeah. appreciate. Well, that, yeah. that ties into the last thing that the card symbolizes, which is exceptional qualities are appreciated. Oh, lit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's, I guess this, as far as comedy, that is, this is, I think, really accurate for where I'm at right now. But I, but again, I haven't seen anyone. I haven't done any shows since <laughs> October. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but it, it sounds like. I mean, it sounds like you not only like kind of know who you are in the comedy scene, but you also know where you stand with a lot of people and you have good standing. Which you know, it, wouldn't it be hilarious if I was completely wrong? I mean, isn't that everyone's <laughs> worst fear that they think they know what people think about them, and then and then everyone's like, "We hate secretly, Anne. we hate I Anne." <laughs> I would be like, wow, that's this is the most embarrassed I've ever been. <laughs> I I feel that on an emotional level about my job because every time I think I know, every time I think I'm like learning and um, figuring things out, I still I will see my boss approach my desk and I have a moment of panic where I'm like, oh, he's gonna tell me I've done I've messed up. Right. So. I think that's a part of being socialized as a as a woman. I I think it has I think it definitely like plays into it because when I was like looking for a job and I was spending hours and hours every day on like LinkedIn and Indeed, I would see these jobs and I'd be like I might have a qualification for that, but I don't have all the qualifications for that. And it would honest to God, be really difficult for me to be like, I'll apply anyways, right. you know? Yeah. And yeah. I'm just, I'm, I mean, part of me is terrified of making a mistake because I'm like, I need this job. Uh, but I think the other part of me is just like, I think it's kind of the same way with comedy is that I'm super vulnerable right now. You know, I'm new at the job. I'm, yeah. I'm learning a lot of stuff. And when you're especially when you're new to comedy and you're not comfortable on stage or, you know, doing like writing your jokes or interacting with people, like you're just super vulnerable and it's, mm. it's, it's nerve wracking. It's anxiety inducing. Please stop the ride. I'd like to get off. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't do that with the work week. Can't do that with the work week. Yeah. You know, I've been fun work. I, the only thing that works for my work, the only thing that works for my work nerves is meditation, which is like such a cheesy answer, but it's, it, it's been working. No, I mean, I, there's a reason it works. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason a lot of people do it is because it works. I, um, I don't meditate per se, but I do like kind of my version of meditating is I will diagram sentences nice which now my english major is coming out <laughs> Let's go yeah um but 
Like that's kind of as close as I can get to meditation without feeling kind of uncomfortable. I never, I never liked guided meditation. It's, I know it works for some people. For me personally, it feels kind of weird. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just, I don't think I'm wired that way. Yeah. I think it's, uh, one of the things I think about a lot is growth mindset and trying to push through discomfort with meditation and, and understand that like my neurons will rewire, like neuroplasticity is real. I will relearn what I need, you know, and unlearn trauma. And, um, I think DBT, DBT, DBT all day. Help soothe box all day. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah. Every t- I think I self soothe too much because I will self soothe to a point where I'm not doing the things I need to do. So um, it. No, I think that's capitalism right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. It's like it's like I'll just I'll just do things that calm me down to the point where I'm like, oh, I didn't do the dishes today. I didn't do the dishes today and now I got to go to bed, <laughs> which reminds me, I do have to do the dishes after this. Um, right, well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's check out this last card here. Yeah, let's talk it. about your future. What's this card showing oh, you? Exciting. Okay. I truly cannot tell what some of this is. Um, okay. Let's do my best. Uh, okay. There's a sword for sure. There's yes. for sure a sword in the middle. It's got some some vine blossoms coming out. And then there's also this, like, I don't know what that is. Half a hula hoop. <laughs> don't, but, like, it's cut in half, and the ends are horns. <laughs> um, there's, like, a very Maurice Sendak vibe on this card. Yes. Uh, and the number three. So I don't. So, um, if you put all those elements together, you get the Three of Swords. Nice. Swords in this deck are curved because the wands are straight. So, um, you get these cool curved swords that look like um, Klingon weapons with flowers. Klingon weapons with flowers. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. yes. Um, so the three of swords, pardon my paper ASMR noises. I printed out my tarot book today at work because I steal office supplies. <laughs> yes. Stick it to the man. <laughs> All right. So the upright three of swords symbolizes victory, overcoming a weak opponent, um, moving through a a quandary and going forward with clear direction. Or possibly a third party intervenes to defeat two weaker opponents. Whoa. Okay. You want to talk me through this one? So this card is basically a card of like victory, overcoming um, a challenge. So how would that how would that characterize where you think your, where you hope or think your comedy career might be going? Or, you know, like maybe it's not necessarily a, maybe it's not like a, a sign of the future, but something you can keep in mind as you go forward, you know, cause the cards don't actually know what's going to happen in the future. It's just a way to like reframe your thinking. 
you know, there's, this is hilarious, but there is some drama that I did involuntarily get pulled into. Oh, spill the um, tea. I really, it's, it's intense and it's, it's literal slander. Like there's a slander case because oh. it has to do. Okay. Then the- don't spill the tea. I feel like yeah, we would get, it's a, I, it's a big deal. And- I am an independent podcaster. I do not have the money for a slander lawsuit. Exact. Well, this, yeah, the slander is against the person that I'm protecting basically that, and, ah. and there are people who think that, who believe the slander and who therefore think I'm some kind of an apologist. And those people are all happen to be what I would think of as the weakest comedians on the scene who I think are just upset that there's like this weird rift. And now some of them will never book shows anymore because they were only getting booked because of the clicky part. Right. Right. Okay. Cause you know how that, that's how it works. Like there are that when you said like comedy is kind of ruled by clicks, like, it's yeah. totally true. If you're in the clique and you don't have weird bad blood with people, like you're you're gonna be fine. But what and en- ended up happening is there was this drama. Mm-hmm. People pulled me in when I had nothing to do with it at all, and I have not fed into it whatsoever. Like there's there I've had trolls attacking me on Twitter and on uh. Facebook, and and it's just like these people I don't know. And the sad thing is that they're all people from the queer community. And, you know, as somebody who was on the outside of the queer community looking in for, like, a lot of my life, mm-hmm. you know, I was a good Catholic girl, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I never thought I would be this comfortable in my skin. It just, it hurts really bad to have other queer comics, like, just making stuff up and think and and you know that whole thing of like it's cancel culture is what it is and yeah. so it's like if you're if you even so much as know someone let alone be on a show with someone that was canceled then you're it's like that's not how does that even work so <laughs> i would yeah. like to envision this as me overcoming that drama putting it true because even though i haven't played into it at all it still has taken a toll on my psyche and and i worry about running into these people when things do open up again I don't know why I'm worried. I'm, I mean, like they're, they're no threat to me whatsoever, but at the same time, it's like, it's annoying. You don't want to have that noise in the back of your head. Yeah. I mean, it's even if you, like, even if you did nothing wrong, which I mean, that makes it sound like I think you might have done something, the hypothetical you, even if you right. do nothing wrong, if there is like any type of, drama or bad blood or tension like it's just uncomfortable to be around yeah you know and i mean also if you would like me to take any of this out of the podcast because (laughs) it is apparently a slander case like let me know we can just make something else up we're both english majors we can make up an interpretation okay yeah well i'll i'll say (laughs) I'll say this because it does sound like really like it's um it's one of those things where I th- think that it should that it's over and done and I haven't thought about it at all and these I keep getting trolled about it mm. if that makes sense so I think what's happening is there's one person rallying all this negative energy from others and those mm. people think they're truly think they're doing the right thing by 
by trolling me on any any number of my socials like they truly feel justified in that and that's what i think not even not even in like a full of myself way but this is what happens to celebrities right like people that they don't know hear something from someone else and then feel like i have to like tell this person my opinion of their action when in reality we don't know like we <laughs> we read a thing somewhere or, you know i don't know and I, I don't i think people should be held accountable for their for their actions 100 percent. but when it's so disconnected when it's like to the fifth degree of the actual thing that got somebody canceled like come on guys like you're not making a the world a better place you're harassing a trans man like get over it. you know what i mean like get yeah. over yourself like yeah it's just yeah. It, there's i i i'm not i think um i don't have enough of a presence online i think to ever get canceled so <laughs> it's um i have like a very outsider's perspective on on this but i like I definitely see how I definitely see how this card is hopefully symbolic of your relationship with this whole situation and that like eventually it's going to like eventually you're gonna like put it behind you. You're gonna figure it out. Yeah. It's it's gonna end up in your favor. Yeah, so. I hope so. You know, I think the the funny part about it saying overcoming a weak opponent is the thing my wife always says is like, you're like they will never be even like half the comedian that you are. So just don't like any of them. So just don't even like, you know, like they like they're punching, they're punching up. Like you would be punching down. So just don't even play into it. And I I really appreciate her saying that kind of stuff because it's like okay like. You're right. Like if I, if I was to pop off about about people that are less successful, like that just makes me look like a fool. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know what I mean? Like Yeah, no, it's um no, it totally makes sense because like on the one hand, you want to either defend yourself or at least tell people to to back off. And I think um I think as a comedian, the I feel like the natural response would be to like make fun of that person. Yeah, for sure. And be like, you're trash at comedy. Like, full yeah, stop. exactly. <laughs> and if, if you're really out of their league as a comedian, then it, it, it's almost like, it's not like, it, it's just sad for the person you would be, um, you would be um, roasting. You know yeah, what I mean? I already feel bad for them for sure. You know what I'm like? Truly like, if it, like, yeah, that, it, that's what it is. It's like, like, just, I try to just send this person positive energy because they're clearly running around still trying to get other people involved in a thing that doesn't make, it's just, I don't know. Like, basically, I just try and, I'm trying to put out positive vibes. Good vibes, good vibes. Things do, the only good vibes. And for when things do open back up, that you know they can at least just let it be because I'm not gonna bring it up. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna be like I can't believe y'all cyber bullied me like we were in sixth grade <laughs> for six months. Like you know what I mean? <laughs> like I don't want to go up to him and be like, don't even make me call my cousins right now because you know what I mean. Like there's so many things like scenarios I'll run through of like what am I gonna do when I see this group of people? They all do open mics. Like 
And the bottom line is I'm going to do nothing. You know, I'm, I'm going to mind my, mind my business, do my comedy and have a great time. I mean, that's honestly, that sounds like a very good plan. Just, <laughs> lit, lit. <laughs> yeah. No bad vibes, just chilling. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, so is there anything you would like to say about the reading as, as a whole? I know this is your first, uh, your first card reading. Is there any, uh, any parting wisdom you would like to pass on to the, to the listeners? This, uh, this was really cool. I mean, just thank you for having me. And I think this was an excellent exercise. I, I haven't reflected, I've kind of put comedy in a box and getting the time to verbalize some reflections about my comedy journey has been a blessing. So I'm really just thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, no, this was this was great. I I love talking to I love talking to other people about what they love doing. You know, and it's it's just it's kind of fun to do it in this setting where we kind of know what's going to happen, but we also kind of don't know what's going to happen because you don't know what cards you're going to draw. Yeah. And Buxton, thank you very much. Thank, I hope that, I see you at Mike's someday very soon. Like, <laughs> I don't think it'll be soon, but I we're able. It will be so cool. I am going to once it is once it is confirmed that it is legal to touch people again. I'm going to be asking a lot of people for hugs. Nice. All right. Be asking right. a lot of people for a lot of hugs. Um. But yeah, I definitely would like to see you at Mike's again, too. All right. Is there anything you would like to advertise at the end of the podcast? Sure. I've got two podcasts. Sober During Crisis is on is on a little hiatus right now, uh, but it's coming back. And uh, Stars of the States is another podcast I have where we are going through the states from Alabama to Wyoming and talking about one artist. It's myself and my cousin, who's also a comedian, Maureen Begley. And we're talking about uh, one artist each from that state and just learning about some music and shooting shooting the, the fiddlesticks, if you will. <laughs> um, so yeah, those, that's what I got going on right now. And then I'm excited. You can follow, oh, you can follow me anywhere uh, at Bucks Wild at bux underscore wild on twitter i you know would love and what like about TikTok? one more heart and my tiktok is also at bucks wild i don't remember if that one has an underscore between the bucks and the wild but you'll know it's me <laughs> there will be um videos of you interviewing your cat yeah it's 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 my 2021 nfl playoff football bracket and then me chasing my cat around with a microphone oh god <laughs> <laughs> all right and listeners can find me on all social media at Zayat Murphy. That is Z-A-Y-I-T-M-U-R-P-H-Y. And you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Deck Jokes Pod. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Deck Jokes is produced by me, Zayat Murphy. The theme music is Low Self Opinion by The Not Mikes, and the album artwork was designed by Akino Fukawa. <laughs>